Episode one, Raising the Vibration podcast. Our first guest is someone who's very dear to my heart because he's my cousin. He exploded onto the dance music scene in 2018 when his hit Along Came Polly became a global sensation. He now currently sits with not one but four tracks in the top 10 of the techno charts. Ruben, aka Rebuke, how the hell are you? How's it going, man? That's some intro I got there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised I got it all out in one go. <laughs> uh, hello, well, I'm honored to be on here, man. It's, it's great to be the first guest and I think you're doing something really cool. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing all the other episodes come through as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, me and you talk so often anyway and there's like no stone unturned. But uh, one of the things that sticks out from your story is um, the fact that like we both grew up in a town. It's, it's an amazing town called Letterkenny in Donegal in Ireland. But uh it's weird the way both of our careers have ended up in uh in dance music world and especially in like what you could probably perceive as the underground element of the dance music world given the fact that there's like little to no uh dance underground dance music anyway in our home environment um i mean it it didn't really my career didn't really even get influenced until i went to glasgow in scotland when i was at university but for someone like you, I mean, people think you've only been around the last couple of years because that's when, you know, you had your first big record and you've just had hit after hit after that. But what people don't realize is that you've actually been making music for how long? Maybe 15 years now? Yeah, definitely come up to close to that. I think 14, 15 years now. Um, I mean, like, you know, my story kind of starts quite similar to a lot of producers in the scene. They kind of, you know... They got into it through the love of watching, you know, certain DJs perform or, you know, through that way. I mean, for me, in a way, my, my first sort of recollection with dance music was watching um, actually Tiesto. I was watching Tiesto videos and I think a lot of people have that same sort of a starting point. Uh, I think it was like 12, maybe 11 or 12. And I remember watching them do this gig and uh, I think it was, I can't remember the exact name of the venue, but it was somewhere in Holland. But like back then, Tiesta was the only household name. Nobody had really heard of any of the other DJs, especially where we're from, you know, in, in Letterkenny. So he was the first guy. And I remember sitting thinking, I love what he's doing. And uh, I, I couldn't get over what he was doing. I was like, how, so how is he mixing these records? And how is he going from this track to that track? And how is it sounding so good? And that sort of like blew my mind for months, you know. And uh, eventually I started to like learn a bit more about it um, and you know time went on and I got my first little set of CD players and started doing my own little mixes here and there and uh, you know one thing led to another and yeah we're here today so it's been so, a, so, and Ruben did you did you um, did you have your CD players did you do that before you started producing or like were you DJing before you were producing or were you producing before you were DJing so I was DJing before I was producing, and the reason why I started to produce was basically because uh, I wanted to make tracks that nobody else could play. So I thought, if I make my own tracks and nobody can play them apart from me and my sets, <laughs> so it was like uh, it was quite selfish back then. And I, I, I just did it because I was sick of other DJs playing the same tracks as me in their sets, and I wanted to be like the cutting edge DJ. And I thought, right, well, if I make my own songs and they can't play it, so. I started doing that. Uh, kind of started off doing bootlegs and a couple of like remixes, and you know, eventually it, it turned into like a sort of well, for me anyway, a, a full time thing. You know. So, Ruben, you mentioned there that um, you were really 
obsessed with how Tiesto was managing to mix these records. And did you, did you was DJing your next step, or did you get into producing before that? Yeah, DJing definitely came first. Uh, the reason I started to make music was because I was uh, basically sick of other DJs playing uh, the same tracks as me in my sets. So I thought if I made my own music, then they couldn't play it. <laughs> So, what what age were you when you made your first track? Uh, I think it was just either 12 or just gone 13, I think. Uh, I started to DJ. I got my first set of CD players when I was like 11. And then basically a year after that, I started uh, getting into production more seriously. But back the, the thing about back then, I guess, is without sounding like an old man, there was no real like, you know, not like today where you've got millions of YouTube channels and, you know, everybody wants to be a DJ. But back then it wasn't the thing. I mean, the only DJs you heard of around here was party DJs that played at weddings and stuff. So, I mean, to like want to become this DJ that plays techno music when I'm 12, I think my mom and dad probably thought I was off my head, you know. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out all right in the end. But it was just, uh, it was definitely something a little bit different at the time, you know. I think it's quite fascinating, Ruben, that you've ended up on this career path where you've had like, I'd like to have a chat to you about like, what was it that drove your passion? Because, you know, there's been no external influence for you to go down the career path that you've chosen from our hometown. It's It's been like, there must have been something inside you, especially to keep doing it for as long as you kept doing it. And, you know... Tell us a bit about your journey, how you got, you know, from the age of like 11 to 25 and what you were doing in that time. Yeah, I think, um, I think I just really, you know, when you, when you fall in love with something, you kind of, you just want to keep doing it and you try not to like, you know, I guess, give in to like external influences and, you know, it was just something I was super passionate about to the fact where I didn't even know why I was so passionate about it because, you know, none of my friends at school were into that sort of music back then and as i said djn wasn't the hot thing back then so i don't really know why but i just i really loved it and there was some sort of obsession that came over me with it so i mean that that never changed and still to this day i'm the exact same and it's never uh that's never changed but um you know it was a long road and it was one of them ones where it definitely didn't just happen overnight and uh as you were saying earlier on it, it's you know i've been making music for the best part of 15 years and only really finding you know i guess worldwide success in the past two years um and i think it's sort of one of the i mean whenever i think about it i think just sheer arrogance is probably the reason why i'm still doing what i'm doing because you know i just wouldn't give up you know and it's like every for every knockback i got or for everything i thought was going to work out and didn't work out i just kept picking myself up again and doing it again and uh, I, I actually don't know why it why I did but I think part of that is maybe because I had nothing else going apart from that um you know I left when I left school when I was 17 I had I set up the studio and um I just I know the saying is don't put all your eggs in one basket but I literally did that <laughs> so I it sounds like you it sounds like you had one egg in one basket <laughs> Uh, literally that, that's it and it wasn't even in the basket it was flying all over the place <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know I, I just i had to i mean there was no other like it was either do this or i don't know what i'm going to do so there was no other choice but to make it in the music industry and i think that probably helped get to where i'm at in a sense because 
just the sheer like I wouldn't call it desperation, but just you know there was nothing else I could do apart from do good music, and I, I have no other real hobbies, and you know I've um, I've got no other real skills. I'm not a good carpenter and stuff like that. I'm not handy with my hands, and it's like what else am I going to do? So you know, I was either do music or not do anything. So I think it was a bit of that. Um, but with that in mind, I mean that's a good motivator to get up and do your thing because i think when you're your own boss i mean you, you know more than anybody it's it's all about motivating yourself to get up and do something and um you know a lot of times when you work for yourself it's you haven't got a boss telling you you have to come into work at nine o'clock and you haven't got somebody saying you need to do this so i think the motivation for me was kind of like you know if this doesn't work out then i'm pretty screwed you know so it was just i wanted to keep on doing it and also the, the the drive and just the love for music is what kept me going for a long long time and still does today you know yeah i think um <clears throat> i mean we've known each other for so long but you know we really we're obviously related but we really connected when you know i found out that you were making dance music and you found out that i was like an agent and brought us a lot closer together and we always used to um, when I'd come back home, I'd always go to uh, our local Chinese curry shop, the Tin Tai, and oh, yeah. it, it became this running joke at home where, like, we'd always go and listen to your uh, listen to your music after that. And every time I'd come back in, I'd say to me, "We brother and sister," I'd be like, "Oh my God, this is the year. Ruben's definitely going to crack it this year. This this is the year." And it, like, they, they just ended up like after about five years, they were just rolling their eyes, going. Mike will be back from the Chinese curry shop in like half an hour with the same speech that he's been giving us for the last four years. But then I was incredibly proud. You know, obviously, Polly, along came Polly, that record just went just viral so quickly. And I was kind of like, I was so happy for you because it was like, right, you're, you know, you've stuck at it for so long and you've grinded. And you're one of the very few people that I'm always able to get in Australia at like, uh, who's in the UK at like, midday when it's like 3 a.m in the morning because you're always still in the studio like tr trying to work at tracks that like your 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 passion is very very admirable and uh i'm really glad it, it, it came to you i think there was a, there was a few times that you could say you know you had like possibly even like false starts i mean i remember that was that one record that we were all convinced was going to be massive on tool room and it just yep. I don't know, for whatever reason, just, you know, it doesn't really matter now at this stage, but, you know, there was a few times when we were like, all oh, right, this, this is the moment we've been waiting for. And then, um, and then, and then tell us a story about how Along Came Polly ended up, you know, becoming such a big hit. Yeah. So like for the listeners that don't know about the stuff I did before Along Came Polly, I, like I had, um, you know, as you said, like a good 10 years of making music <clears throat> and they... Some of the tracks did better than others, and there was, as you said, some like false starts where we thought this is the one that's going to be really good, and then for some reason or just didn't connect. And that's something that I think people, especially young producers and you know aspiring artists, should take um, take away from this is that you know just because it's a good record doesn't mean it's going to be a successful record, um, which seems kind of cynical, but it's just the way of the industry. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. So um, you know, it took. Me putting out music, as I said, for like 12, 13 years before one connected. And then after that, you know, obviously Along Came Polly came about and changed everything. So, uh, but the story of Along Came Polly is, uh, you know, I've said it in a couple of other interviews. Basically, um, a, a friend of mine knew Jamie and um, 
sent him basically a pack of 10 of my tracks. And at the time, I had this record, um, which is now called The Long Came Polly. I don't even think it was called that back then. I think I named it The Long Came Polly last minute. I don't know why I did. Actually, I do know why I did. I was watching, I was watching TV in my sitting room, and um, I think I had called the track Untitled or something, because like, I'm really really crap with names at the best of times so uh the following along came polly was on the tv and i was like you know what let's just call it along came polly because whenever i named it first i didn't think it was going to get become a big track if i knew it was going to be so big i might have put more effort into it oh <laughs> but, uh, my god you know that's that's where it came from but, Ruben, uh, I, have anyway, to say, uh, to- I have to say i'm so glad and for any of the guys listening i'm so glad you didn't call that record untitled <laughs> I know because yeah, you know you, you know you know there's you know the, they're, they're all mates of mine, but they would give me so much grief if you they they own a company <laughs> called Untitled. If you had to call that record I Untitled, I would never have lived it down. Yeah, hashtag sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, but um, but but anyway, then um, uh, so Jimmy uh, started to play all the tracks. Well, not all the tracks. He started to play that track from the pack of tracks that I sent him, which was about ten or twelve, or maybe it sent him. And um, at the start, I didn't even, he didn't reply back straight away to say that he loved it. I just started to see these videos float, float around online. It was actually a mate of mine, um, you know, Gary. He actually was the first guy to to find a track on Facebook. It was one of them sort of, you know, tune drop sort of websites where you people post their, you know, tracks from festivals that weekend. And he was like, is that the track you sent me like six months ago, seven months ago? Jimmy Jones playing it. And I was like, Ah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was like, damn. And then, uh, like, after that, then every day just kept getting madder and madder, and like to the point where you know people were people found out who it was pretty quickly. Um, started asking me for the track and when's it coming out. And even at the start, I didn't really hear from Jimmy straight away, and we didn't know what we we're going to do with it. And uh, eventually, he said, "Yeah, let's put it out on your uh, Hot Tracks label, or on his Hot Tracks label, which is like the sub label of Hot Creations." But the track just kept blowing up more and more and more and going more and viral. And eventually we wanted to give it like a full on release. But the thing about it was um, the track started going viral like around August or September and didn't come out to December. So I had like a three month period where people were just pestering me every day looking for the track. And to the point where like some of them were getting kind of like violent with it. They were kind of like, <laughs> Why are you not putting out this track? What is going on, man? I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to do stuff. And I know where you live. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and it was just super weird, man. I was like, it was like, it was one of the moments where I just I don't want to go back there again. <laughs> but uh, but you know it was uh, it was really cool, and um, I think the track sort of had its success because of all the things that built around it, like waiting so long for it to come out and the sort of momentum that it built. And none of that was PR, by the way. I've had a couple of times people saying, "Yeah, that was a really good stunt you did, like by uh, not putting the track out for four months when everybody wanted it." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I had that, uh, yeah. had that all in my head, <laughs> you know." But uh, it was actually none of that. It was just the way it worked out. But um, it was a really cool part of my life, and it was like, "Damn, you know, it was really cool, you know." So I enjoyed that moment. But yeah, so that Fan. was where that came from, and then ever ever since that, things have been. Yeah, and it definitely, it's given you a much bigger platform now. To I'm sure when you're sending artists' music, there's nobody that's gonna like get a download link for you and go ah oh, i'll give that a miss it's, it's probably easier yeah, yeah. for for you to uh get in people's ear and you know be taken a bit more seriously yeah well i mean um the one thing i love about that track is that um people say that the like there's just like unique sound about it so i'm really glad that i could sort of break out with a record that sounds super unique i would be really annoyed if a track broke out that was like super cheesy and like has a big 
Britney Spears vocal or something over it, you know. <laughs> so um, like the the track, the the reason I like the track so much is because it can cross genres and DJs can flip it and do their thing with it. I mean, whenever it came out first, um, obviously Jamie was playing it, but all the kind of house guys and you know even the techno guys like Solomon and Adam Byer and stuff were all playing it. So it was great that and um, it was good to have a record that crosses over in a big way and it was cool because it kind of laid the foundation for me to find you know to like build my little signature sound which is really what i was trying to do for the past 12 years and i think that's the main thing that um producers aspire for is to find that little sound it doesn't have to be something mind-blowing just something a little bit different to make you stand out and i'm I'm so glad that that um happened you know yeah did you know that that one particular record was going to be as big as what it was like out of that out of that hard drive that that had those 10 tracks that that along came poly stick out for you as being like a shining light or not really i always thought this was a weird track i was like i remember looking through an email uh with uh, my manager palo and i was like hey i have this track um i think it could be like a good b-side to some like berlin techno label maybe and I actually remember sending it to a couple of DJs and producers and they're like, yeah, it sounds good, but can you send us something a bit more, uh, you know, a bit more, I can't remember what the word was, um, a bit more original. I was like, all right. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, that that's how much, I, you know, everybody believed in it. But then sometimes it takes an external influence to like believe in the tracks more than you do. And that's what Jimmy Jones did. And that's why I've always been very thankful for what he did because if he didn't start playing it and if he didn't believe in the track then it probably wouldn't have done what it did and i'd not be sitting here yeah about it so. your your life would probably be very different without that moment when totally jamie man. probably got hold of those tracks uh totally man i still be uh running to the shop looking for a three euro sandwich meal <laughs> I just to do that but yeah something you mentioned earlier strange. ruben um you know you said that like a lot of times people can have expectation on a track to be big and it might just not work. I know from talking to a lot of the artists that I've worked with that um, I remember Oliver Dollar telling me, for example, I mean, two of his biggest records, he said, was stuff that he just like, it, it took him no time to put together. And then he said there's been other times that he's labored and toiled for months and months trying to fine tune something and tweak it, thinking it's going to be this like success story. And, and the stuff that he spent months on has just fallen flat in its face. And then the stuff that he's just kind of almost thrown together in a couple of hours, a bit of a hobby, he's just ended up catching fire. Can you see any patterns in any of that kind of stuff? Can you, have you got any experience of that kind of thing happening to you? all the time and that, that's what i love about the music industry is that and just make well not even the music industry just making music it's it's funny because you would think in most uh areas of life time and effort equals a better product but with music it's not always that i mean you could literally work on something for four hours and it turns out to be a more successful and a bigger track than something you've like slaved over for a month which is so annoying <laughs> but you know it's uh it is what it is and you, that whenever you like you know remember that the next time you're stuck tweaking a kick drum for three hours or whatever um and, and what i find also is the, the tracks that you're you can't get right and the tracks that just never seem to sit right maybe they're not the tracks to finish because maybe they're not the strongest track and maybe it's like your inside saying all right this isn't the killer because you didn't trust your gut too you know you, you need to like really do that and um you know, you've nobody else sitting there telling you it's good or bad, and you know it's 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 up for um, 
it's up for discussion anyway what's a good track or a bad track so you kind of need to believe in yourself but usually if something's not clicking then you need to think and ask yourself why is it not clicking especially if you've been working on it for two weeks but um for me i've kind of adopted this whole like um approach when it comes to making music i try and only spend a day max on the track and then i'll not come back to it for another like two weeks and if it's still good after two weeks i'll finish it if not i'll just not look at it again because the way i see it um and what used to happen to me was i'd be doing stuff maybe a remix or a track and i would be working on it for three weeks and i get that invested in it then i'd want to make it work because i've just wasted three weeks working on it so i'd be pushing it out and pushing it out and i'd be almost forcing it to try and sound good when it's maybe not that strong so the way i do it now is i'll work on it for like a day maybe even half a day with just the fundamentals and the basic ideas and if it sounds good a week or two later i'll finish it if not then i'm just never going to come back to again or leave it in the pile for something else down the line and use it as an idea in the future so that's how i've adopted my system and i feel like that's i guess how i can get stuff done a lot quicker you know great and ruben you've obviously when i think about you know being able to witness firsthand because i've been back home so much as well your journey, you're definitely what I would describe as a pretty, you're a pretty solo operator. Like, you know, you're not in a studio with 10 other guys all producing around you. Pretty much you're out on your own most of the time out in the studio. Who, who, what people around you influence you? Um, a lot of people like through the years, I think from, you know, when I was 11 or 12, right up till today, it's just been like a, sort of journey of different people that influenced me throughout my career don't really know one person in particular that i could say influenced me my whole life i mean aside from my mom and dad my mom and my dad obviously but um and music you know from when i was 12 or 13 i used to be um this guy called Fergie's biggest fan who you know i know me and you know but for people that don't know me used to be this really massive dj in ireland and had his own BBC Radio 1 show, and now he, he's the resident Hackasan in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, that to me was the first sort of guy I was influenced by because I was like, this is an Irish DJ, and he's like on the top of Beatport, and he's, the, you know, one of the biggest DJs in the world playing all over the place. And that sort of gave me a bit of inspiration and sort of like, you know, thought, well, if he can do it, then maybe I, could sh- I should give it a stab as well because he's from Larne in Northern Ireland, and I'm from, you know, or in the same area and stuff. So I think he was a very, very important influence for me at the very early days and still is today. But, you know, then as the years went on, it just changed, you know, every couple of years, it'd be like this other, you know, producer or DJ that I started like falling in love with. And, you know, it's just a ongoing cycle really of different people. And, you know, that's kind of what, you know, I think that's probably why my sound is like a little bit different to the rest of the stuff because I listen to so many different types of music and I don't really get stuck to one certain like sound. Yeah. I try and like just do weird stuff and see what happens, you know? Yeah. And I think, Ruben, you've obviously, you know, you've had so many highs and lows. What do you think are some of the mistakes that you've made and what do you think are some mistakes people that you see continually young producers or young DJs making and, and how, how would they go about avoiding them now? Um, I think the main mistake I see producers and DJs doing, well, mainly producers, um, is trying to sound like somebody that is already there. So, I mean, when somebody sends me a track that sounds like me, I'm flattered, but it's not going to equate to the same level of success that I've been lucky to have. And it's the same as if you try to sound like, I don't know, whatever, um, Carl Cox or whatever, you know, you're not going to 
be Cal Cox because the reason they are what they are is because they were so original and they did their own thing and they broke out and did their own little thing. So um, I think if I was a new producer, I would spend more time taking risks, especially in the early days, because you've literally nothing to lose. You know, it gets a little bit more difficult as the years go on because you all of a sudden you're you've got a big team around you and you need to like figure out your records a bit better and then to be like more on point. But when you're whenever you start off you should be experimenting like crazy and just making the wackiest stuff because that's what's going to lead you to success eventually. And that's a mistake I see a lot of people making is they try and make what's current or what's the trend rather than trying to create the trend. Um, so that's my main bit of advice really for guys that are, uh, you know, starting to get into it. Great stuff. That's, that's awesome. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about was because you're pretty much so self-taught, where where do you get your knowledge? Where do you learn from? It's all online from the minute I started to make music to today. It's always online. I'm a pretty good researcher in terms of like finding stuff online that I need to figure out. I'm super stupid. I mean, I'm not, you know, I have no degrees. I've, I've not been to college before and, you know, I, I'm not one of these guys that have got degrees and, you know, business or anything like that. But I just seem to figure it out a little bit. And I think it's... Uh, you know, again, arrogance, just because I want to know how to do something. I'm like, ah, I just keep Googling it till I figure it out. And then I think for me, I know that's, that's, that's how I always learned best because whenever I was back in school, you couldn't like get me to learn anything, man. It was just like the teachers in the end were just like, just stay quiet, man, and just stop talking, you know, and just let everybody get on with it. And uh, I was just no interest at all. And then now it's funny because 10 years later, I'm trying to learn all the stuff that they're trying to teach me. So, um, you know, but it's all it's all online, and I think we're so blessed to have uh, to be in the era of internet, where literally anything you want to learn, there's a video about it, or there's some sort of article. And I think like the world's your oyster now. You can be at any part of the world, you can be in any situation, and still learn the basics of anything um, just through online medium. You know, totally. And there seems to be even like YouTube is like I heard recently youtube's actually the second biggest i think search engine in the world so more people mm -hmm. search like random stuff on youtube even i think than yahoo these days you know which shows that like people are just trying to i guess you know get you, you, there's there's so much content on youtube now that it's it's just yeah you can get anything off it and you can learn anything yeah that's no, crazy man it's just um it's just the way of the world isn't it like even um most courses and stuff are all online these days as well and it's just all you know online learning which is which is great i think because you know back 15 years ago that just wasn't a possibility yeah yeah and tell us this how, how have you how have you enjoyed the last couple of years i guess you know one of the things that's going to be a bit of a theme through these podcasts is talking to the artists about the the lifestyle that goes along with touring and i mean i saw when <laughs> Well, I was about to say, I saw when you were in Australia, your touring schedule, but I put it together, so I'm probably to blame for that. But like, I think pretty much you, was it 13 gigs in 16 days? And there was, there was, there was days, yeah. there was days, there was triples, like there was two days, I think on the touring schedule, you did three days, three gigs in one day. It was like afternoon, evening, nighttime. And yeah. how, have you, how, have you, how have you coped with the, with the schedule and effectively been on like the hamster wheel of the touring world? It has been pretty mad because I kind of went from playing nowhere to all of a sudden playing all over the world pretty quickly. I think um, most DJs, they sort of, 
they get popular in one area first, like say, you know, UK or Italy or Spain. And then after a year or two, they break out to a different country. But for some reason or another with me, it was just like everywhere all at once. And, uh, you know, within the first year of touring, I think I covered almost every continent in the world. Um, and I think the only countries I haven't played yet was has been like India and maybe some other random ones. But apart from that, I've played everywhere. So it's pretty crazy. But, you know, I mean... I don't drink that much. Um, I could probably count on my hands how many times I've been drunk this year. Um, so I, I try to keep that on 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 uh, um, without being too crazy. So I do that, and then also just I try to eat a little bit better than others. I see some DJs they're just shoving anything in their mouth when they're traveling, and that's not always good either. Even though it's the easy option, but I think the partying and eating healthy definitely gets you like through the tours a bit more i mean let's be honest heavy touring isn't healthy for anybody traveling like that's not good but you know you can at least do stuff to aid it a little bit um but for me anyway i know it sounds a bit corny but it's the music that sort of keeps me doing them and you know it's the amount of times i've not wanted to go to a gig but then when i get there it's like all right i'm all fired up and ready to go i could play for 10 hours you know and it's just that that's what that's what it does to me you know and you know it's that really is the travel and i know like people listening probably has heard a million djs moan about it before but it really is just the travel and then just the that's what plays with your mind a bit more than anything else. I mean, the DJN is like, I think it was John Digweed actually said something once. He was like, I don't get paid the DJ. I get paid for all the other stuff. You know, I DJ for free if I didn't have to travel. Um, whether that's true, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, that that's, that's it's pretty true. That's the traveling from, you know, one continent to another within a day and then going back again to play another place the day later. Like that, that's what, you know, that's why we, we get paid to do what we do and that's why it's so difficult you know and not everybody can do it unfortunately yeah and one of the things you mentioned there Ruben was um was diet and this is something that like you and I have um had many many converse interesting conversations with and we're both um we're both open to trying new things and one of the things that I know I know has been very successful for you in regard to you know I guess keeping your weight under control and keeping keeping healthy in general is um you've you've you spend periods every year when you do full like ketosis diet um for any of the listeners out there that don't really know or are not across what ketosis is it's basically when you train your body to be fat adapted so you're burning fat instead of carbohydrate as a fuel source and it comes from eating a very very high fat diet very low carbohydrate uh it's 75 percent fat and most of the rest is protein and i think five percent carbohydrate but it trains your body to actually burn ketones which is basically like fat as a fuel source um i know you've just had a, a good stint on keto recently how did it go good i'm just tapering off it now um just this week actually um, it's been going really good. I mean, the reason I do it is because it just seems to work really well for my body type and for um, my lifestyle when I'm off the road. I mean, it wouldn't work too good when I'm touring, but you know, now that we're all off for a good while, um, I felt like it's a good time to do it. I had a look at myself in the mirror there back in March and I was like, Damn, Ruben, are you getting kind of porky, man? You know, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I kind of uh, took that as a like a little indication to get back on it. But for some reason, when it comes to the you know ketosis, it's it's the one um, I wouldn't even call it a diet, but it's the one way of life that really affects my body quite a lot from almost immediately. You know, so I mean, like this latest one, I've dropped. I think like 
like it was like 12 kg or something like that even though it wasn't obviously i wanted to lose a bit of weight but i feel like ketosis in general it's just for some reason 12 12 kg that's that's like that's like what 26 pounds yeah i think 2.2 yeah yeah that's that that's that's huge yeah so and that was in like two months three months it wasn't even that long um but it, it isn't the easiest day in the world like it pretty much it's probably almost catered for lockdown <laughs> because yeah. with ketosis you can't eat with anybody else you can't go out for a bite to eat i mean unless there's like specialist places that does it because basically everything has got carbs in it so you're um you're not eating carbs basically you're like your, your carbon takes maybe 30 grams 40 grams um and you have to be you have to be in that state for like three or four days before you're actually in a full-on you know ketosis or keto uh state so i mean it's, it's not the easiest day in the world but i find that it works really well for me and um also i never feel hungry when i'm on it which is kind of weird because i'm not eating as much but i think it's all the carbs and probably the sugary stuff that you know i don't know I'm, I'm not i'm not great when it comes to nutrition but i mean i think that's probably one of the reasons why i don't feel as hungry is because you have no opportunity to eat these like sweets or bars of food or donuts or all that kind of stuff so um you're eating like really fat heavy foods because you have to eat more fats to make up for the loss of carbs so you're eating lots of like you know eggs and stuff like that but it just fills you up really well and you never really seem to be hungry and i find myself being like that as well because sometimes when i'm in the studio when i'm not on keto and I'm like, comes 1 a.m. and I'm like, damn, I'm getting hungry, man. <laughs> so, you know, I end up uh, taking a trip over to the 24-hour shop and eating all sorts of junk, you know. But with, with ketosis, I never really find that I am. And, like, I could go 10 hours without eating and, you know, be like, damn, I need to actually eat some food here, you know. And you wouldn't, you'd almost need to, like, you know, force it in to eat it. But, you know, it's, uh, so that's why I like keto. Do you count your calories? Do you count what you're eating when you're in keto? Um, I, I use this little app called My Fitness Pal. Yeah. Um, I used it for like the first month, just to sort of get like a baseline of what I'm taking in. But with me, like I don't really like you know yourself from the other times you've had like chicken curries at the tin time that are coming. I don't really eat different foods. Like if I like a food, I'll eat it for like a year. And I'm not very adventurous, <laughs> which uh, promoters always love whenever I'm playing in different cities and they're like looking for me to eat wasabi and stuff. And I'm like, what is that? I just want a chicken burger or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh like so whenever i eat certain foods i'll stick to it for a long period of time so after like two weeks i'll have my like food prep in my head basically set out for like the next two months because i'll just eat the same thing so i'll kind of get an idea of what calories they all are and then after that i'll sort of get in a i'll sort of know myself all right well i'm about to go over it here or i'm well under my calorie limit and stuff so yeah um, yeah i i, I tried uh, like i was in ketosis for about six weeks last year because i'd heard a lot of people talking about it and i wanted to try it and I felt good on it. And the one thing that was really noticeable to me about it as well was the mental clarity. Um, apparently, ketones are like a cleaner form of fuel for your brain. And I can genuinely say that I felt like almost like more mentally alert than what I was, you know, in a normal diet when I was eating carbohydrate. And I, I would have a pretty clean diet as well. But um, I, th- I think with keto, when you're trying to do ketosis, I mean, you don't eat any sugar whatsoever because you can't have any carbs. And it's weird because people manage to just flick a switch and go like, okay, I'm trying this ketosis, so therefore I won't eat any sugar. Whereas if they're eating like little bits of sugar, sugar can be so addictive. And yeah, the mental clarity was definitely something that really stuck out for me. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of data coming out. I don't know how much of it is 
fully legit at the minute, but the ketosis is really good for like uh, apparently treating cancer um, or, or helping people that are in remission. Um, and it's also really good as well for people who have epilepsy. Um, it can reduce yeah. the amount of seizures that people are having. So there's definitely health yeah. benefits to it. There, I think from my experience as well, there's downsides to it. I mean, you mentioned there, like, you know, you have you have to cook all your own food. Like you, you literally can't go out for food. So it's hugely socially restrictive. And I remember last year, <laughs> you know, my mate Ollie, Ollie was going yeah. to a mate's 30th birthday at a, at a pizza restaurant and Ollie walks in the door with his own cauliflower pizza base with him going, <laughs> hi mate, to the, to, the, to the guy making the pizzas, can you put some pepperoni in that? And the guy was like, what is this guy, what, what is he doing bringing his own base in here, you know? So it's very restrictive. And also, also when you're eating that amount of fat, I think that there's, um, there's kind of like, there's, there's clean keto and there's dirty keto. And a lot of people jump into ketosis, but they're eating just loads of like cheese and like stuff that's really, really high in cholesterol. And it can actually spike your cholesterol levels if you don't keep it in, in check. And it can also, you can also develop a lot of fat around your liver, which um, it, it kind of screws up how well you digest food and stuff, you know? So I think it's something that you've got you've to tread carefully with. And my experience on it was that I really enjoyed it and I felt really good while I was on it. I think it's something that I'll look at doing for certain period of periods of time in the future. Again, if you're overweight, you know, it's a good way to have that initial, to get your body used to burning a lot of fat. But for me, it's not something that I found I could sustain in the long term. Yeah, me too, because um, I think touring, like having a tour and then doing keto is virtually impossible. Yeah. In my eyes anyway, I mean, people might, say i'm wrong but i know just from from the way my lifestyle is when i'm on on the road is just doing keto would be like never it's just not possible but i think you're right i mean that's sort of what i do as well um i'll do keto for like three months two or three months and you know the one thing i also like about keto is um for people struggling to lose weight or to like drop some weight i think you'll lose a lot of weight very quick when it's on when you're on keto but obviously it's a lot of that's water weight but for people that keeps an eye on the scales it's a little bit of like a, almost like a belief system for them because you know they see the weight dropping so fast and that's because you know your body holds so much water retention with carbs and stuff and when you kind of you know get off eating so much carbs automatically you lose quite a lot of water weight so i think for people that are like needing motivation stuff like keto is a great way to look at yourself and be like geez i just I'm just going down six pounds in two weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, although it's just water weight, you know, eventually that gives you a bit of motivation to keep losing weight and it's still six pounds that you're not carrying around. So you're going to feel a bit better anyway. Um, but, you know, as you said, there is side effects. And I think the biggest thing for me is to drink lots of water and, you know, try and keep a, keep a lid on like the dirty keto. I mean, um, I eat quite, quite a lot of eggs and stuff as well. So I need to watch that too. But, um, you know, as I said, I don't do it all year round. They'll do it for like two months, three months. And then after that, I just try and like maintain the weight loss and not go too further up. And once I get to a certain level of what I'm on, what weight I'm on, I like cut it back down again a little bit. So yeah, it's, um, it's kind of like you're playing, playing around with your body weight a bit. Yeah. Have you, do you, do you exercise a lot when you're in ketosis? Um, a little bit. I mean, not so much. I mean, at some, at some, I just take notions you know i mean i'll go to the gym for like two months non-stop and then i might not go for like a month after that it's, it's just weird it's probably not the way you should do it <laughs> you know i mean um 
I used to do a lot of running and then I did a lot of weightlifting in the past and stuff. And now I kind of just do a bit of both. But I mean, I found when I was doing a lot of, say, like weightlifting, I'd ended up taking over my world for a while where I found that I was working out more in the gym and Googling more stuff about, you know, how to get big muscles. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sitting in the studio making music. So, I mean, my main focus is always music now so 90 percent or 80 percent of my day is always either in the studio or trying to do stuff around music so the gym sort of comes second but i, I do try and like at least get in there once or twice once or twice a week when i can but it's not happening recently for some reason yeah 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 um were you in ketosis when you wrote along came poly can you remember that is a good question actually could have been yeah i can't remember but i could have been so if i did then uh <laughs> yeah i should probably stay in it but uh <laughs> I actually yeah i think no i don't think it was actually i'm just thinking back it was it would have been january the funny story about along came poly is i wrote it like a year before it came out um i wrote it in like january 2018 and it didn't come out till like december yeah um so i don't think i did actually you know what i could have been because i probably had so much crap over december at the christmas holidays and i probably wanted to lose a bit of weight in january <laughs> so i could have been yeah, yeah, yeah. You, could, you could be right actually there we yeah. go shout out to the keto fans yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And Ruben, do you do anything else? Like, you know, you've mentioned you do ketosis for your diet. Is there any else, any other life stuff you do? I mean, like I, I know from knowing you personally, you, you rarely drink or you don't party. Um, is there any other, uh, health or, or, or mental health stuff that you do to kind of keep yourself in check given the lifestyle you've got? Um, I like to read a lot. I mean, not like read a book, but I like like listening to the audiobooks in the car. So I'm always, I've always got some sort of like form of audiobook on. Um, that can range from, you know, learning some new stuff to like, um, you know, I, I always like listening to guys that have built like say big companies and stuff. The latest one was the guy that uh, helped build Netflix. I think that's really fascinating to see what they do. And there's a lot of like correlations between that and building a good brand and music and being a good artist. And that, that really interests me. Um, and aside from that, it's just more, it's, it's music. I mean, that's one of the curses, but also the blessings of music being your main hobby, but also your job is that you're kind of attached to it in more ways than one. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I sit down to make music, that is me doing my hobby. So there's no kind of like, oh, I have to drag myself to the studio to make this track. You know, I actually do get such a buzz about making music. And I think a lot of producers and DJs are the same. Um, so that that is my main hobby. And I think, you know, I, sh- I should probably f- pick up Babylon or something. I don't know, but I mean, <laughs> I just sort of... <laughs> music you know yeah yeah when when do you think what's your prediction when do you think touring will be back happening for you uh, i think some year some stage next year i think this year is about um about hopeful but i think next year probably around summertime which is still so far away but you know i think realistically that's what we're looking at but i don't know man i mean the world's gone so mad recently that things can change within a week i mean you know, even the past four weeks, the amount of stuff that's changed has been incredible. If you look at the news from a month ago to the day, things have completely changed. So this time next month could be changed again. So you just don't know from week to week what's happening. So, I mean, it could be this time, you know, yeah. this time next year. It could be this time three months from now. I just, I just don't know. But I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later because uh, i got bills to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what 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 are you excited for coming out of all this? You know, what what like what what positive stuff do you think has happened? You know, like and what what are what's the benefits going to be coming out of this? The whole way the world's been shaken up over the last while. 
I think we're going to take uh, Mother Nature a bit more seriously because not in our lifetime we've never come across something like this before where it's just you know this thing happened and there's no real nobody really knows what happened um so it's i think it's something to do with mother nature and i think we've messed with it so it's messing with us back so i hope that one thing to like come from that is to look after the world a bit more um without trying to sound like a hippie but uh you know i think you know, we mess with the world so much and we chop down, you know, trees and we do all this mad stuff that God is basically in the position that we're in now. So I hope that going forward, there's a bit more care taken um, for stuff like that. And then on a personal level, I think people, people have probably got their priorities a bit better because, you know, even in my like close friends group, everybody's changed their ways. And a lot of, not a lot of them are saying that they regret it. A lot of people are like, you know, I'm so glad I don't have to do this anymore or this is far better you know people uh you know driving driving three hours to go to work whenever they could probably do the same from home stuff like that um i think will all help as well so i think the world is not going to be the same place as it was back in december last year but i think a lot of it's going to be for the better so yeah i don't know what about you what do you think um yeah i agree i mean like I, i'll be honest i've loved how simple life has been recently you know like i mean I, i'm I realize how much I love eating at home. I don't need to be out eating out all the time. You know, I realize how much I don't need to even go in my car places, you know, because because we've been in lockdown for so long now, as long as I can take my dog to the beach every evening, uh, you know, come over to the office, I'm, you know, and, and exercise. I'm, I'm, I've got a very simple lifestyle and I'm, it, it keeps me happy. And I know what kind of makes me tick, you know, and I, I just, I think as well, just, the hamster wheel of of the industry that we're in you know like you 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 get caught up just chasing and chasing and chasing and bigger gigs and more tours and all that stuff but i'm going to be a bit more selective about i'm definitely going to be more selective about who i work with because i've realized you know our time short in this earth and you know basically don't want to be working with dickheads you know like and it's probably a good chance to kind of like reset a few things and you know um I, I know i've kept great relationships with the people who i'm close to and who i want to work with and um but yeah um just just slower pace of life in general you know no need to be going at 100 mile an hour all the time totally man no it's super important and i think we're going to like i guess take care of ourselves a bit more and as you said be more selective over what we do and sort of realize that a lot of the stuff that we were doing we don't need to do yeah um, I, th- so I think, I think yeah. you go. I think, um, yeah, that's, that's all I was going to say, really. I think I was just going to blab around about something. <laughs> uh, um, at the start of 2020, um, uh, the one decision I made, uh, like before any of this stuff happened, was that I was going to try and implement good habits into my life. So I've got these three or four things that I do every day. So like since I think the 2nd of January now, I haven't missed a day where I, have, I haven't meditated 20 minutes a day. I've... I do like Lumosity brain games for like cognitive enhancement and I, I do a gratitude journal every single, I've done that every day for the next year and I think that's been incredibly important and in keeping me grounded and also, you know, I think keeping your brain sharp as well as like when you're so busy and you're like not paying attention to how your brain works, it's it can actually be detrimental to how you then perform and function for the rest of the day. So... Yeah. I think just doing those little things, it's almost like just self-care on your on your on your brain. Um there I'm definitely gonna stuff that's gonna be with me for going forward. Yeah, because I think um 
you know, for, for me in a way, like I, I would love to, because, you know, in six, seven years time, we're all going to be thinking back at this mad time when we're like, Jesus was, this is a crazy year. And um, we're all going to be talking about what did you do that year? Like, what, what did you do? Um, and I would love to come out from that thinking, well, I did this, I learned that, I did this, and actually show something from it because this is all, like, time that we've got, you know, on credit, basically, because we've got nothing else to do but sit around. And you can either go either two ways. You can sit at the house, watch Netflix all day, or you can be productive, learn something that you've always wanted to learn but you never had the time, be it a language or, you know, some other thing, I, I don't know, whatever. But you've got two options, and um, the option that I opted for, and I know you're the same, was to like try and stay productive and keep yourself busy by doing stuff. And again, that goes back to what you're saying about just brain, you know, uh, mental health. And it's the guys that are sitting watching Netflix all day, man. They're just they're bored silly, and they're actually, it's not good for their health, you know, because we're not used to that. I mean, we're all used to be out and about and doing a bit of work and meeting people and stuff, and that take, you know that that takes up a lot of our you know brain time, I guess, if you want to call it. But now we don't have it anymore the brain still needs to be worked and needs to be stimulated and uh, sitting watching Netflix all day is just not going to do it. So I think that's for me and I quite important. And, you know, I'll, I'll take interest in things that usually I wouldn't take interest in just to sort of like keep myself busy, you know? Yeah, great. A couple of things that I've done on that, on the learning tip since the first lockdown that I feel have stood to me. <clears throat> I've, I've spent, I'd say an average, uh, an hour and a half, two hours a day learning how to speak Spanish. And I'm now, starting to have conversations with people weekly. Um, I mean, I spoke to Guy, you know, Guy in Queenstown last yeah. week, and, and he said to me that, uh, I said to him, what do you think of me Spanish? And he said, I can, yeah, I can just about understand what you're saying, but I can understand you easier than I can understand your English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could just about speak English, Jeremy. And um, I've also as well, I did a, an amazing a memory course um, I think I've told you about it and I've been, I've been learning how to juggle as well because juggle is really good for the neuroplasticity in your brain. So there's so many things available that we've got so much time available. And the other big advantage we've got at the minute is if you're trying to learn something now, you're actually not distracted by a million emails dropping in your inbox every day. So you've got the capacity yep. to absorb information and process it a lot better than what we'll probably ever have again. So I'm really trying to come yep. out of this um, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but a better version of my, my, myself, you know, so fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think everybody at this stage is itching to get back to work and we want to get events going and stuff, but you just got to let it unfold how it's going to unfold and, and, and write it out. And, you know, we've got a few other projects in the go that, you know, we're, we're like this podcast and, and obviously our run and stuff as well. So fingers crossed, we'll come out of it a bit stronger. But it's great. It's uh, at the same time, it's great that you can kind of do stuff like this podcast now. Because I bet if um, we weren't in the situation we're in, we probably wouldn't be having this podcast now. So it gives people an opportunity to explore things that they always wanted to do, but they never had time to do it. Um, and it's, it's the same for me in my aspect. I mean, I set up this um, little Facebook group with the fans called Rebuke uh, Rebuke Rave Club, and to be honest, it's been one of the most rewarding things I've done all year because. It's a great way for fans to like communicate with me directly and also with themselves. So I know if I was on the road doing whatever, 100, 100 gigs a year or whatever, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I think stuff like that makes it worthwhile. Um, and being able to sit and chat to you on a podcast makes it worthwhile because, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that if we're on the road all the time or if we're like wrecking our heads about gigs and stuff. So I think there's, there's positives in everything and you have to like be on that side of, 
staying positive and like rather than looking at the bad of everything, try and look at the good that has come from. Because yeah. Otherwise, you just if it doesn't do you any good, man. You know, and you, you just end up kind of hating the world and hating yourself. And it's like you need to stay positive and like think of the best stuff that's coming from this. I know there's a lot of crap stuff. Like, I mean, we could go on about all the gigs that got cancelled and all the money that's been lost, but you don't think about it like that because that's only going to get you down. You think about all the positives, and that's that's kind of where you need to be at. I think anyway. And I think people really appreciate whenever we come back to doing events like that first weekend when we can run an event yeah. with no restrictions. It's going to be some party. Uh, we're going to wreck the place, man. <laughs> hey, Ruben, it's been absolutely brilliant so far. So I'm just going to wrap it up pretty shortly. But I do this little segment on the on the podcast. It's called Secrets from the Other Half. So I've actually contacted your other half. And uh, she's let oh, me... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Love so, um, I, so apparently music isn't the only time you've hit the headlines. So uh, I'll have it in good authority that when you were a bit younger, you went into make donald's and dairy with your mum and you got a happy meal and you were so excited that you took the car out of it and ran it ran the car over the wall of the building and set off the fire alarm and ended up having to get the whole shopping center evacuated uh well you know the things you do for happy meal man <laughs> apparently it was it was actually on the national news that night about the shopping center getting evacuated i because because for people that don't know about everything that's gone on between like republic of ireland and northern ireland we've had like this crazy 30 years of you know you know, peace protests and stuff and the troubles, but it was at the height of the troubles in Derry. And uh, it was like when basically like shopping centers were getting closed every week for bomb scares. And of course me come over with like a wee Ferrari Hot Wheels car and just hit the fucking, hit the bomb button and uh, or hit the, fire, uh, the emergency button and uh, yeah, ended up in the news. That was actually pretty mad, man. That was probably one of the biggest. Good stuff, good stuff. You certainly were making your mark from a young age. <laughs> hey, I'll just finish off. One question I asked all my guests is, how is Rebook in 2020 raising the vibration? Um, how am I raising the vibration? I don't know. By talking to you, I think. Yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, you know that that's a good start, spreading the message, spreading the positivity. You know, yeah, it's man. like. I mean, that, that's all, again, it's just what we're talking about. It's all about staying positive, and you know, I try to be a positive person. I mean, we're, we're not always, you know, life life would be pretty boring if we're always positive and happy and stuff. But you know, you try and. Uh, see the best and everything and it, it, it's the same for me when it comes to life and also when i listen to people's music or when i go to people's gigs i always try and take the best parts out of people uh, or when i meet somebody i'll try and look at them for the best attributes than their negative ones and uh, i think that approach in life is why i guess i try to keep raising the vibration good on you man that's awesome ruben just for all our listeners out there where can where can people find you online what's your handles um all my socials are under rebuke music uh spotify facebook twitter youtube i'm right not up. on tiktok and i refuse to go on it <laughs> yeah i, I, I wouldn't even know where to find it at this stage that's that's a generation before me i just think i'm too old man i just think like i, I just don't need to see kids dancing to songs anymore like i'm happy that they do it with, with my music but i just don't want to watch it <laughs> if, you, if you're too old you know? i'm fucked altogether <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's just yeah whatever <laughs> yeah hey kid thanks a million for coming on man it's been great to dive into some of that stuff um i'm sure a lot of people out there are really you know kind of keen to know what you guys do in regard to eating habits and you know the music questions you've been asked a million times but uh it certainly gives people an insight into what your lives are really like and 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 how you can stay positive in this time so Thanks a million. I'll uh, I'll give you a call in half an hour and uh, 
I really appreciate you coming on. Nice one, man. Thank you as well. And, and great initiative you've got going on here. Cheers, Riven. Peace out, bro. Nice one. Bye, guys.